0: Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, along with Brian Chiglinski. And today our guests were Dr. Mitch Edmondson, who is a family physician. He was in practice for 40 years and now he leads Alvidade First, which is a program that exposes residents to value-based care. And Dr. Kalina Longworth, who's a second year resident at St. Mark's in Salt Lake City, who's one of those residents. Brian, what'd you think of today's show? What'd, What'd you take away?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a really great conversation, first of all, to hear both from the program side, to hear... Dr. Mitch Edmondson, who's been leading this on the Allidade side, to be able to talk about the structure and how we have planned, you know, the curriculum and kind of the development for each of these residents. But then also to hear directly from Dr. Longworth, who's actually in the program right now and able to give us some firsthand experience. I think it was a really great conversation, particularly from Dr. Longworth's perspective of there are so many up and coming physicians who are looking at family care and family medicine and want to have their own independent business with it. And it's just they don't see the path there. And so I think having these kinds of programs to illuminate that path and help them see one way that they can practice medicine that way is really powerful. And so it's always refreshing to hear someone who's like, I was gonna, you know, chase this route anyway, and I just didn't know exactly how to do it. And now that I see the alignment of value based care, now I now I see some some options. So
0: yeah, Preventive health is all about going upstream from the problem. So I like that Allidate's getting upstream of the issue of exposing people to value-based care and making sure that there are enough great doctors in the pipeline. I was particularly moved by what Dr. Longworth said, that in our current system, you get paid more to remove a patient's foot, you know, somebody who's had diabetic complications, than you get paid for talking to them about how to to prevent diabetes. And I I think that does sum up why so many people are committed to value-based care.
1: Yeah, that was a really powerful example.
0: Yeah, so enough from us, and let's, let's get to our, our guests. We are joined now by Dr. Mitch Edmondson and Dr. Kalina Longworth. Welcome. Thank you very
2: much. Pleasure to be here.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: So Mitch, let's talk about the program you're involved with. Well, what is Allidade First?
2: Allidaid First is an attempt to address a couple of needs that have been identified by Allidade. First of all, we see that there are not enough people going into primary care medicine these days. I think the American Association of Medical Colleges noted that we are going to be short about 48,000 primary care physicians by 2034, which is kind of a staggering number. And we know that Many family physicians, and I include general internists, pediatricians, as well as family medicine physicians, are over the age of 55, almost half in 2019 were found to be over the age of 55. And we also know that many primary care physicians are fleeing independent practice and are going to work for hospital based practices or other organizations. So Alledate identified a need to have more primary care physicians doing independent primary care, which is what Alledate specialized to learn. Secondly, we had noticed that there aren't too many structured programs in teaching value-based care to physicians and particularly at the residency level. So this was definitely seen as an opportunity for Alledate to address that need by providing an education program to residents before they finish their training.
1: Thanks, Mitch. And Kalina, so Mitch just presented a lot of statistics and trends that are pushing people away from primary care and away from independent primary care specifically. It sounds like, though, you are someone who is swimming against the current and was drawn to this naturally. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, first of all, what are you studying? What are you interested in? What did you focus on? And then how did you find out about Allidade First?
3: Yeah, so I became interested in practicing primary care in medical school. I went into medical school with an open mind, but soon found that I really loved family medicine. I'd always had good interactions with my family medicine doctor when I was growing up. And I also found that when I was in the hospital, I felt like there was so much that could be done if these patients just had a good primary care doctor that was taking care of them. So I applied to family medicine program. I was very lucky to match at my top rank, which was here in Salt Lake City, Utah, at a residency that does clinic every day. They're a clinic every day model because they want to train family physicians to be good outpatient primary care physicians after we graduate. And I found out about Allidade on my first day of orientation. Our clinical director, John Bernike, told us about what accountable care organizations were. And what is value-based medicine? And these were all foreign concepts to me. I had never learned any of this in medical school. And actually talking to some of my medical school classmates, nobody is being taught this even in residency, except maybe those who are lucky enough to either be at Aladay practice or be part of this new program called Aladay First. So that's how I ended up here being recruited into the Aladay First program. And so far, I've learned so much about value-based care and how to provide independent so to to practice not part of a hospital system and to provide great care to keep your patients healthy and out of the hospital.
0: Can you share some examples of sorts of things you've learned through Allidade First that just aren't taught in medical school or residency?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, first, what's a value-based care contract? (laughs) I don't know very many people who are in residency, like at some of the other programs, like I have some friends In family medicine programs who have no idea about that or about billing, they're they're still maybe under the fee-for-service models of reimbursement. I've also been able to learn about like HCC coding, risk stratification for patients, learn about how important transition visits are for patients after they come out of the hospital or out of the emergency department, all for the goal of reducing rehospitalizations or other expensive emergency medicine visits. So we can take care of our patients in the primary care setting where they'll be best served.
1: So Mitch, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the structure of the program. How does it work? If you're a resident like Kalina starting the program, what are the different phases you're looking at? How do they differ? What are you learning from from one day to the next in this program? Well, one of the things that we discovered
2: early on when we were formulating the program was that most residents decide in their second year where they're going to practice or maybe early in their third year. So we wanted a chance to reach out to residents before they got to that decision-making time and and give them an exposure to what value-based care is all about and also for the opportunities in independent practice. So we start out in October of the PGY-2 year. This year, we're focusing only on family medicine, although that may expand in the future. For the first three months, we have what we call our curiosity phase, where we give the residents Um, value-based care curriculum, give them some specific aspects of care that Allidate emphasizes. And there's no long-term commitment for the residents to stay in the program. They receive a stipend every month and most of the work is done remotely. They have a curriculum that takes maybe three to four hours per month. And then they meet with me in a group setting online for about an hour a month. So the total commitment is about five hours. After the third month. We then ask them to look at making a commitment to the program on a long-term basis. And that really means completing the program through the duration of the residency. It also means that they will verbally commit to joining an allied partner practice or community health center after residency for a minimum of three years. Once they make that commitment to us, then they get an increase in their stipend. They are also assigned a mentor who is an Allidade physician, usually a regional medical director or a local medical director who has lots of experience in value-based care and can help the resident, guiding them as to what they really want to do with their practice once they finish their residency. Once the resident signs a contract with an uh, Allidade practice, then they get a signing bonus from Allidaid. And they also get some money for incidental expenses such as moving expenses or legal expenses. Once they're in an Allidate practice, which hasn't occurred yet since this is a new program, as I said, they're committed for a minimum of three years. If they commit to an additional two years beyond that initial three-year commitment, then they get a retention bonus from Allidate, which is matched by a bonus from the practice. The whole package of money that they receive is about $65,000 over the the course of the whole program.
0: Mitch, we know that physicians, primary care physicians who join value-based care contracts have the potential to significantly increase their salaries. We also know it can help physicians stay independent, which we hear over and over again is a more satisfying way to practice. So given that, why do you think the value-based care is not presented in residencies? more than it is now? Well,
2: for one thing, it's still a relatively new concept. And many of the faculty members in residencies have not been in independent practice themselves. Many of them have come through residencies that may be sponsored by hospitals, and they're hired right out of residency to go into a faculty position. And so they have not seen the need for value-based care. Of course, the handwriting is on the wall. We know that CMS is mandating that all practices will have a value-based care component by 2030. So I think that a lot of the training programs are behind the curve here. and But that's given us an opportunity to come in and, and work with them. But we tell them that our curriculum does not replace the residency programs themselves are supposed to be delivering because they now have a mandate to give a practice management curriculum to all on some least in family medicine. But we think that we can certainly augment what they're getting and, and give them some real world experience with the practices that are an independent practice.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful to get some of the perspective, some of the ways that the curriculum is starting to change to meet the market where it is. Kalina, I'd love to get a perspective from you on the ground, like working with fellow classmates of yours from med school, from fellow residents. How do people see both the concepts of value-based care and the idea of of starting an independent primary care practice, what do you see as most, the most common thoughts around that among your classmates and peers?
3: So I want to start off with the independent primary care practice, because I think that there is this idea out there in medical school that you can't do it anymore. You have to work for a large hospital system. It's impossible to make ends meet if you're trying to hang a shingle and work for yourself. And I found that really discouraging in medical school. And I sort of had this in me that I was going to find a way to do it. And so just luckily ended up in a residency that had Allidate and I learned more about Allidate and that definitely piqued my interest. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm part of the Allidate First program is because I am passionate about doctors maintaining their autonomy and being able to practice in a way that maintains the physician-patient relationship and improves happiness, not only for the, for the patient and the, and the staff, but also just improves the care that the, the patient gets. Because uh, I think that the quality of care increases, the happier your doctor is in, in their practice and, and they're not shackled to be there, for example. Back to like the value-based care, I, w- I will say that I don't know that others are learning this. I, I do know that there is a practice management requirement for family medicine residencies from ACGME. And I think that most residencies are using that to allow the residents to do like an away rotation, like a trial for a job. I'm not quite sure that they're doing much in regards to billing and things like that. But again, my experience is just here at my program. That's traditionally what the residents here have used it for. They've used it to try out a job maybe a, a couple of months before graduation to make sure it's a good fit before they accept it. But overall, I would say that I've learned just so much through being part of the Allidade First program that I don't know I would have had the opportunity to learn had I not ended up part of the program.
0: Yeah, in medical school, I don't remember learning anything about the business side of things or residency as well. You know, you might hear a little bit here and there from your attendings, but you certainly didn't, I'll just speak for myself, I didn't come away with any understanding of the importance of alignment about whether physicians would be more incentivized to have Better health health outcomes versus more incentivized to do more procedures and, you know, see their their patients more often for billing. It, you know, it's this sort of subtle undercurrent um, that it, it sort of drives so much but is ignored. When when you switch your mindset to value-based care, Kalina, have you seen success stories that you think might not have come from that way of practicing versus just fee-for-service medicine?
3: I certainly think so. And I think some of the, I guess success stories I would look at are ones that have a lot of underlying social determinants of health. Because when you're in a fee-for-service model, you're, you're basing your billing off of how often you're, you're seeing, seeing this person. And some patients, just there's a level where they just can't afford to come in and see you. And so they're not going to come back in and, and see you. And so you can do more of a value-based model where you're taking care of all their chronic diseases and trying to prevent ER visits and hospitalizations. They're going to get better care in that way. And you're not going to be pressed for, okay, we only have one concern today. That's it. That's all we have time for, because I need to be able to see you back next week and be able to bill you for that second complaint that you have or third complaint. So I guess it shifts the mindset of, okay, well, let's maybe change our schedule. Let's maybe make it to where we actually can spend time and actually address all these concerns because your your patients come to you each year wanting kind of most of their concerns uh, taken care of in one visit anyway. Uh, now, of course, we still have to set boundaries and limits. It's, it's, you know, th- there, you, there is work to be done within the value-based care model too. But I think that shifting from where I get paid the more I recommend procedures and interventions to I get paid for keeping you healthy really aligns our my my morals. and it kind of aligns our goals in the right direction.
0: I have conversations with patients who. I'll describe what we do here at Allidate. You know, we're trying to do outcomes-based care and they'll say, oh yeah, my, my doctor does that. My doctor does value-based care. And when you find out what they, what they mean, what they mean is their doctor does this sort of lots of tests and procedures, sort of concierge medicine. And they think that their doctor who gets them, you know, full body CAT scans and checks lots and lots of labs, that that, that is preventive medicine. Uh, are you taught the difference between that and actual preventive medicine?
3: Absolutely. We are taught that. We we are taught about USPS, preventive task force recommendations. We're taught to educate our patients that more testing is not always better. And in some cases can actually be harmful, such as that full body CT scan, for example, just to check things out. So, So certainly there's a lot of education involved in making sure your patients know what truly keeps them healthy. And that unfortunately takes time. And that is probably why when when physicians are trying to do value-based care in a fee-for-service model, you're not paid to educate somebody on their diabetes the way you are to do a procedure to remove their foot. And so those are, those are conflicts of interest, in my opinion. And so I think if we can align a reimbursement model with good medicine, that's going to be great for for the physician and the patients, as you guys would say, for the community. It's going to be great for everyone.
1: Yeah, Kalina, I feel like you hit on a really fundamental point when you said you're Patients are going to have better health outcomes and better experiences when their physicians are happier and feel more rewarded by the work they do. And I think that speaks entirely to the idea of alignment is that by the interests of physicians and patients and even payers and other businesses are not at odds. They're so often meant to be aligned and meant to be pointing in the right direction, which is better health outcomes, lower costs. So I love that that reminder that, that happier physicians will will lead to better outcomes. Mitch, we've been doing this program now. It's very early. We're still, I guess, in the in the first cohort, getting ready to move to the to the next one. What are some learnings? What are some lessons we've picked up along the way that we might want to think about in in future iterations of Validate First?
2: Well, I think that the the team approach to healthcare, I think is really, really important. And as I've worked with the residents so far, I see that most of them are in practice situations where they don't get a lot of support help. Maybe they get Maybe there's a social worker in the practice. Maybe there's not there. There may not be care managers. And when I have decided as I'm forming the curriculum and I'm sort of, you know, building the track as the trains coming down it with the curriculum. But I, I think that emphasizing the need for a team approach so that you can get everything done that needs to be done, there was a study that came out last fall that said something along the lines that if you're going to do everything that you need to do for a patient in primary care. It takes twenty six hours a day, and obviously no no physician can do that on his or her own, so the team approach is, is absolutely vital for that. I think that it's important for uh to know how they're getting reimbursed and sort of the intricacies of, of how the the Medicare Shared Savings Program and the other Shared Savings Program works. So they can understand that there is some risk associated with this, but also there's a tremendous reward, not just financially, but also, as Kalina mentioned, quality of life. I'm very interested every month when I meet with the residents and hear what they have to say, because it's sort of guiding where I'm going with the next phase of the curriculum. The, the early part has been really focused on the value-based care aspects. But as the residents get into their third year and start to get more focused on how they're going to do in practice, I'm going to bring in more topics that are of general nature to management. You know, we mentioned billing and revenue cycle management, hiring and firing. You know, we need to know those kind of skills in practice. I was in practice uh, on my own for most of my 40 years. And I know that that was a hard thing to learn, how to, how to work with lawyers, accountants, you know, business executives that are all advising you on on how to run your practice, how to be a team leader and how to look at your strengths and weaknesses as a team leader. That's all vitally important because that's going to help determine the success of your practice
0: you know sometimes at a company if you ask for volunteers everybody is silent hoping somebody else will will step up and somebody a few weeks back at Alladate posted in one of the slack threads about Alladate first about this program and asking if any of the physicians wanted to to volunteer and mentor in it and it was amazing almost every Alladate doctor raised their hand to do it. Uh, it it was really striking people really really believe in this i think they want to they want to share it to the next generation i think many of them wish that 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 they had known it them, themselves when they were going through. You know, Mitch, you practiced for a long time and now you're working, now that your practice is closed, you're working on the business side of things. Are there things you wish
2: you had understood better when you were practicing about, about outcomes-based care? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I learned by the seat of my pants. And you know, when I was an Allidade partner practice physician, you know, all of this was new to everybody. And so I think that really... Understanding the value of each one of the core four would have been tremendously to me if I could go back 10, 15, 20 years. You know, the basics, the annual well visit, the transition to care visits, the, the, the finding the patients with the diagnoses that need additional care. The biggest thing that, that made a difference in my own practice was hiring of care managers who could work with our sickest patients. The frequent flyers that go in and out of the hospital to really help them get a grip on, on their situation, both from a medical perspective and from a, a social determinant perspective. You know, you know, not going to the emergency room because they could get a preambulance ambulance ride and get, and get care right away, but, but calling me first before doing that. You know, the, the care managers made the biggest impact in my practice over the past 10 years before I retired.
1: Mitch, you made a lot of great points there. I think one of the things that I just want to unpack for those of you who might be new to Allidate is Mitch mentioned the core four, which are the list of four categories of activities that we have found to lead to the greatest success in value-based care contracts. That involves things like transitions of care when, some, when a patient's heading out of a hospital or an emergency department, things like access and quality increasing access, different types of care that, that meet patients where they are and help provide kind of point solution care for different patients. So that variety of the core four is a very good point and something that I think has, is something that we have learned through many years of trial and error and, and learning on the value-based care side. Mitch, I know there was also there are also some additional offerings through Alliday First, including some firsthand experience in Alliday practices. Could you touch on that for a minute?
2: And there are a couple of exciting things in the program that I neglected to mention. One is the opportunity for the residents to work in allied practices in their third year. They have four weeks that they can either take in one single segment or they can divide it into smaller segments where they can work in allied partner practices and see value-based care firsthand. And we expect that a lot of the residents will take the opportunity to do this in order to try out practices as future employers. And I think that that's something that's very appealing to a lot of the residents. The other um, aspect of the program is we are doing a weekend retreat at Allidade headquarters in Bethesda so that the residents can come together and and meet each other in person and hopefully work with the movers and shakers at Allidade and understand a little bit better of what makes this whole organization tick. And we're all very excited to do that. We anticipate that that will happen in May.
0: And Dr. Mitch Edmondson, a lead physician for Allidade First and longtime family medicine physician, and Dr. Kalina Longworth, second year resident at St. Mark's in Salt Lake City. Keep up the good work. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and join us next time.